Our scripture reading today is found in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Hello, everyone. Have you ever had a dream that was so real that when you woke up, you were experiencing all the emotions that were associated with the dream? Emotions such as sadness or anger, regret or a sense of betrayal, even though you knew the dream was not real. Now, I want you to know that I have personally experienced this on a couple of occasions. The most impacting time that it ever happened to me was when I was about five years old and I dreamed, sadly, that my dad died. I woke up feeling so sad and heavy with grief, and so I went to see my dad so I could console myself in the fact that it was just a bad dream, but he had already left the house for the day. So all day, even though I knew it was just a bad dream, I felt the weight of the sadness and the grief of that dream. Now, later that day when my dad came home and I finally got to see him with my own eyes, the sadness and grief lifted. It was just a bad dream. Today, we begin a new series entitled 40 Days, where we will be considering the appearances of Jesus following the resurrection, tracing them right up to the time of his ascension into heaven. Today, we will be focusing on John chapter 20 and Jesus' appearance to his disciples who are hiding in a room because of fear. Jesus' death was not just a bad dream. It was a brutal and cruel execution. Seeing Jesus alive lifted their sadness and their grief and restored purpose to their lives. Today, as we work through this scripture, we will be reminded that Jesus' presence with us during times of intense fear brings peace, purpose, and power to our lives. First of all, peace. The timing of this scripture is the evening of Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday evening, if you will. The disciples were hiding in a room with the doors locked because they were afraid of the Jews. Specifically, they were afraid of the Jews who were instrumental in having Jesus killed. They had personally narrowly escaped arrest themselves with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane just a few days earlier. As his followers, they were afraid that they may still be in danger so they were staying out of sight to stay safe and waiting for things to blow over. It's important to not underestimate the impact of the crucifixion on the disciples. Despite Jesus' efforts to prepare them 
for the this event, they didn't understand and they were totally unprepared for what they witnessed and experienced. The trauma of watching Jesus being arrested, beaten, mocked, ultimately killed by the most vile means at that time impacted them significantly. And now they were waiting for their own fate to play out. In the midst of their fear, in the midst of their confusion, in the midst of their pain, Jesus appeared in the room with them and said, Peace be with you. Shalom. In Luke's account of this particular event, he tells us that the disciples thought Jesus was a ghost. I mean, the doors were locked and a dead man appeared in the room with them. What else would you think? That's likely why Jesus showed them his hands and feet to prove to them his identity, that the crucified one had risen from the dead. Instantly, we're told, their fear lifted, their grief melted, and his peace overwhelmed them and they were filled with joy. In the upper room before his death, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. This promise was now fulfilled. He was alive, and because he was alive, everything had changed. They now had peace. Secondly, purpose. The crucifixion of Jesus resulted in more than the loss of someone they loved. It created confusion regarding the mission that they had been preparing for with Jesus over the past few years. What was all that teaching about? Why were they sent out on their own as training for the future? Why would Jesus tell them that they would do greater things? Why would he command them to go into all the world and preach the gospel if he was going to be killed? Everything in their lives was dependent on Jesus, and with Jesus dying, they thought the mission died with him. And so instead of going out, they turned in. After all, with Jesus' death, there was no longer a motivation to do anything. But because of the resurrection, the motivation of the mission became a priority once again. And Jesus announced to them, as the Father sent me, the Father had sent him to speak the truth, to do his work, and to lay down his life. And so as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you to carry on what I began. You will now speak the truth. You will now do his work and you will also lay down your life for him. The model of how they were doing it before would change, but the mission and the message would still be the same. This was not a new work that they were being called to. It was carrying on the same work, just under different circumstances. Jesus' resurrection had given them a purpose once again a purpose to proclaim the kingdom of God, a purpose to see lives changed, a purpose to not waste the price that had been paid on the cross for the redemption of all mankind. If God could raise Jesus from the dead, he could certainly accomplish the mission through them, and their purpose was restored. Third, power. 
What takes place in the next two verses has been a source of significant debate among theologians for centuries in terms of what is happening with Jesus breathing on them and what did Jesus mean when he said, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, their sins are not forgiven. So my goal is to attempt to simplify and explain what is going on here in a few sentences today. And so, in fact, I will bring resolution and clarity to a centuries-long debate. The word breathe here is only found in one other place in Scripture, Genesis 2, verse 7. It says this, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. Creation was complete with the breath of God. Now, in light of Jesus' death and resurrection, there is now a provision for a, quote, new creation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The disciples are a part of this new creation through Jesus' incarnation, his coming to earth, taking on the form of a man, through his death, and through his resurrection. It is the Holy Spirit that completes the new creation as the Holy Spirit is received. So they, the disciples, are living examples of what it means to be a new creation in Jesus Christ. Now, the Greek language in the statement, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, their sins are not forgiven. Well, it's very tricky. Now, some churches view this verse as support for what is called the sacrament of penance, that human representatives of God can offer forgiveness on God's behalf. It would be like you coming to me and saying, Pastor, this is a sin I committed, and me looking at you and saying, that sin is forgiven. I forgive you of that sin. Others, and I would be included in this group, would not see this scripture as support for the sacrament of penance since we believe that God alone is the one who forgives sins. We would instead see this statement as a framing of the mission of Jesus. The mission of Jesus is about calling people to repentance and forgiveness. When we live the gospel of Jesus, when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus, we are announcing, we are announcing the need for repentance and the provision of forgiveness through Jesus. We are announcing it. We are not creating it, nor are we enacting it. We are announcing it. What we are doing is we are offering the assurance of forgiveness based on the provision of Jesus. Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ presents people with a choice to either accept Jesus' forgiveness or to reject Jesus' forgiveness. And so followers of Jesus present the opportunity for forgiveness, but it is the Holy Spirit that enables a person to receive that forgiveness and to become a new creation. The Holy Spirit is the power of the mission both in terms of making salvation through Jesus possible and also through empowering Jesus' followers to carry on his mission of proclaiming the message of truth. There are two observations that I would like to draw from our scripture today. 
The first observation is barriers. There is a lot of fear and uncertainty in our world right now because of a global pandemic. But there's also a lot of fear and uncertainty in many of our lives right now because of personal circumstances and realities that aren't even COVID related. When the disciples felt threatened and were experiencing fear and uncertainty, confusion, hopelessness, disappointment, they responded to that by creating a barrier between themselves and the source of their fear. For them, it was literal walls and a locked door. Their response was a common response to fear. When threatened, we protect ourselves by creating barriers. We do this all the time. When we feel threatened or we're experiencing fear or uncertainty, confusion, hopelessness, and disappointment, we retreat and we put barriers around our lives in an attempt to protect ourselves. We want to keep certain people out. We want to keep certain realities away from us. And so as a result, we often feel isolated and trapped by our fears. Our freedom is robbed by our own fears. Now, while it's true that the barriers often keep people and circumstances at bay, our barriers cannot keep Jesus at bay. He penetrates the barriers we put up in our lives and announces peace to us upon his arrival. I want you to know today that Jesus desires to bring peace into your life. Bring peace to your family. Bring peace to your circumstances, to your uncertainties, to your deepest fears. He has come to you today and is offering you peace. The wounds he bears secured your peace. The one who overcame death and the grave and rose again can help you to overcome the fears and the uncertainty in your life. He moves past our barriers. The second observation is turning. When faced with fear, we not only create barriers, but we tend to turn in in an attempt to survive. When facing fears, the disciples turned in, and as a result, they lost sight of their purpose. Fear can rob us of our purpose. When facing intimidating fear, we are faced also with a choice. Do we turn in or do we turn out? When Jesus arrived and brought peace to the disciples, he reminded them that they had a purpose. And in order to fulfill that purpose, they had to turn out, not in. That the Holy Spirit would help them to turn out, to take their focus off of their fears and back on the mission of Jesus. I think it would be a fair assessment to say that many followers of Jesus, well, in North America at least, have turned in during the past year. The fears, the uncertainties, the limitations have caused many to turn in and hope to ride out the storm before emerging back into embracing their purpose. The result of this is that the church communities have experienced significant decline in terms of engagement with one another, in giving, in missional activity, in creative community building. There's no question that we, the way that we live out church, the way that we live out kingdom life has changed. The model of ministry has changed. 
but the mission has not changed. Our purpose in this world has not changed. And so rather than turning out and engaging the mission in new and creative ways, well, many of us remain focused on waiting until we can return to the model that we knew before. Now, personally, I believe that the model of ministry that we have known in the past has forever changed and that going back to exactly to the previous model that it was before would be a big mistake. The mission is the same. The message is the same. The Holy Spirit that empowers us is the same. But how we fulfill the mission with the Holy Spirit's help has forever changed. It's time for followers of Jesus to start turning out instead of turning in. Now, I want to provide you with some suggestions today on how we might be able to do that. And I recognize in providing these suggestions that maybe some of you may not appreciate some of my suggestions. But nonetheless, here they are. First of all, we need to turn out with prayer. It's a time when we can pray like we have never prayed before. We may not be able to be physically together, but we can pray on our own and together through technology. We need to be deliberate about praying. We need to turn out in prayer. Secondly, we need to turn out with finances. This is a time when we can give generously. Now, I know it's true that many have suffered significant financial losses, but I also know that it's true that many are spending much less than they used to because of the restrictions, and many have much more disposable income than they did before. And so we need to step up and financially support the mission through our local church community. This is not a time for our giving to go down. We have people and ministries all around the world that are looking to us to help them, and we need to keep our commitments to them. We need to support the mission. Support for the mission should come from God's people, not relying on government grants or other sources of income. Now is the time to turn out with giving. We can turn out with creativity in how we connect with each other. Folks, we need each other. And many of us are missing each other. And while it may not be the same when we meet over Zoom or over a phone call or even an email, it all counts. There are many ways to connect and we need to connect. We need to be deliberate in finding creative ways that we can safely connect with one another. Connection to each other is important. We put it on the shelf and we need to find ways to do it that, that fall within the guidelines that are safe, but allow us to continue to turn out in meeting together. Thirdly, we need to turn out in creative ways to serve the community. We still need to feed the hungry assist the homeless. We still need to care for the needs of those who are struggling. We still need to love those who are hurting. We need to rescue those who are trapped in the slavery of human trafficking and drug and alcohol abuse. The needs in our community are greater than ever. It's not time for us to sit the mission on the shelf. We have to turn out. 
And fifthly and finally, with your presence. By showing up when we're permitted to gather again. Now, I realize that some cannot gather because of health concerns or because there are unique circumstances within their families or because the nature of the work they do create restrictions on them gathering when we gather. But let's be honest, there are others who are not gathering because we're waiting for things to be like they used to be. Many don't think it's worth coming back like it is now, so they're just going to wait. Or there are others who enjoy watching the service in their pajamas and stay home because it's just because it's more convenient. Folks, we need to turn out. We need to show up. We need to start the long and difficult road of building the next season of the ministry of this church. The mission is waiting and it's waiting for us. So are you turning in or are you turning out? It's time to decide and take action. We have sat our purpose. We have sat the mission on the shelf long enough. It's time to re-engage safely and creatively. Jesus is alive and people need to know that. As I conclude today, I want you to know that you matter to me. You matter to our church. Our church matters to me. The mission of Jesus matters to me. The community of Oakville matters to me. The many places and people we support around the world matter to me. And I will personally pledge to do whatever I can and continue to do whatever I can to creatively serve and to give leadership so that our purpose and our mission in this world will be fulfilled. But I can't do that alone. And we can't do it with a small number of volunteers from our congregation who have carried us, quite frankly, by serving and giving during this past year. We need everyone working together, fulfilling the purpose that Jesus has given us. Don't let fear rob you of your peace or your purpose. As our scripture reminds us today, Jesus' presence with us during times of intense fear brings peace, brings purpose, and brings power to our lives.